0: All right, we are joined now by Dennis Dodd, National College Football Writer for CBSSports.com. Dennis, good morning.
1: How are you guys? Thanks for having me on.
0: <laughs> we're, we're good. There are a lot of Utah <laughs> fans listening right now thinking, yeah. finally, turning the page. Uh, we could recount all the things that have gone wrong, but I think people are pretty aware of that. Um, I'm curious where the conference goes from here. And, and if in his final words you had a chance to talk to Larry Scott, and, and I know he's not the most credible source, and at the same time, he's in the middle of it, and probably does have an idea of what the league needs to do. Was there anything revealing? I know you had a chance to talk to him.
1: Uh, yeah, I talked to him briefly last, last night, trying to confirm the news, and you know, kind of asking him what his legacy would be. And he said, "I don't know; that's for others to decide." But I did ask him, you know, had you know, let's break this down. Had you know, gotten direct TV? For the Pac-12 network, would we be having a different discussion right now? And he said, I don't know. You know, there was one agent told me that, you know, summing up his legacy, it was a series of failed strategies. And that was probably the best way to put it when, you know, you talk about trying to play basketball games in China and having media days in Paramount Studios and the Rose Bowl and, meanwhile, losing market share Not winning games, losing traction, and recruiting to the point where, as I wrote today, it's it's really a power four right now, guys. I know the Pac-12 is getting power five money, but competitively, recruiting wise, perception wise, it's a power four.
0: So I don't want it to be too dramatic, Dennis. But is this conference at a crossroads?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, Look. uh, at the end of the day, the network's are always going to pay for the West Coast markets. So whatever that looks like, you know, it's it, it, it's not going to fall off the earth. But you have the ACC now with their deal ramping up to 2036. They will pass the Pac-12 um, between now and 2025. You have the CSP, the Pac-12, the Big Ten, and the Big 12 contracts all come up. And part of the reason – you know, it became untenable with Larry Scott if he signed too long a deal in, I want to say, it was 2010, maybe a 12-year deal, to the point that the other Power Five conferences have been able to sign, you know, lap, if you will, to Pac-12 and sign new deals two and three times in that time frame. And it's left the Pac-12 behind revenue-wise and everything I just talked about, you know, kind of goes from there you, you don't have enough money for facilities you can't attract an urban meyer if he was on the market wouldn't couldn't couldn't get him in the pac-12 and that's just one example
0: dennis Dunn, national college football writer for cbssports.com joining us in the wake of the uh pac-12 moving on looking for a new commissioner with uh with larry scott out so i'm i'm curious larry was always pushing you know new technology. Is this new TV deal really going to be a TV deal? Is it going to be a streaming deal, too? Is CBS still going to be a player in college football? They don't have that SEC time slots available. They could put golf in it. They could do something else, or they could go get a a college football league. Is that in play? Do you have any idea?
1: Yeah, the, the, the platforms you're talking about are in a state of flux. I'm still told that It's still going to be a linear cable and broadcast network platform. We still haven't switched over. There isn't that total momentum there to switch over to streaming. Um, And so that, uh, even though we as consumers consume a lot of our stuff on streaming, you still don't have that big company like you know a Google or an Apple or somebody else saying, "Yeah, we'll pay you X for your rights." They're not there yet. And frankly, they don't have to be because they're multi-billion-dollar companies. And these, these sort of contracts would be minuscule in comparison. So I don't think we're there yet. Um, yeah, you mentioned the technology, and then you mentioned something else. I forgot the second part of the question.
0: CBS, are they going to be a player in this?
1: Uh, I, 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 look, I don't have any inside information. I think they are. Um, they have that 330 Eastern lucrative window coming up in three more years. I think there's three more years left on the deal mm-hmm. which, uh, with CBS, and I don't think that's going to be bought out early um yeah I, I think i think there's a chance there for the pac 12 or the big 12 maybe for a mix of conferences because that window has proven to be too lucrative mm-hmm. you know the sec made it great you know you had you had the biggest name at you know a time and everybody was watching you had the biggest games basically but i think you can make you know, a star if I could use that term, out of a conference or a combination of conferences, getting the best games and putting them in that time slot. So I think there is interest. And, I look, I don't speak for CBS at all. I, I just work for the, uh, for the digital side. But as a consumer, I think there would be some interest there.
0: Does Larry's successor have to have more uh, influence, more experience, expertise from the athletic standpoint or the business standpoint?
1: Uh, I think you've got to get both. You've got to get uh, – you've either got to get an AD, uh, a commissioner, um, someone with commissioner experience, someone from the business side. That's why you see a guy like Burke Magnus' name from ESPN would be wonderful. Oliver Luckett would be my first choice, um, the former – XFL commissioner and AD at West Virginia, number two guy at the NCAA, respected by everybody in the industry. He's got the chops for all that. Basically, somebody who can sit across the table from those uh, networks and negotiate a deal because they've been left behind. That's what Larry Scott did so well, which we you mentioned that. You know, he capitalized on a, on a sleepy product in 2010 when he came in and got a big, big rights fee and launched the network, and everything else network didn't work out, but he did what he was told to do initially. That's what this new person has to do, you know, bundling those rights, and maybe some of them do go on streaming. I don't know. I'm just uh, spitballing, you know, to drive people to that, because that's how ESPN2 launched. The first big telecast was North Carolina Duke in 1994, and everybody figured out, well, we gotta get ESPN2 on our cable system. That's how this works. So, and, and it would help if, if the likes of USC and UCLA and Washington, um, Oregon, to a lesser extent, were good. Uh, the problem is the product isn't very good right now. Larry Scott, before I just figured this out, the fourth commissioner in history, history, uh, to not win a national championship in one of the two major revenue-producing sports during his tenure. The last was Harvey Schiller, who was at the SEC for five years from '86 to '90. And there were two others from the SEC way, way, way back when. So Larry Scott in the modern era is the only one.
0: Dennis Dodd joining us, national college football writer for CBSSports.com. You mentioned some of these big names. And I assume that hiring for a commissioner in some respects is like hiring for a coach. And we know when jobs come open, there are schools that are down, and that's why they're open. And coaches look at those schools and they think, A, that's where careers go to die. No, thank you. Or they think (laughs) – that's been messed up, there's nowhere to go but up, I really want in on that job. And I'm curious how these big players look at the Pac-12. Do they think that's where careers go to die, or do they think that's been messed up, I can look like the hero pretty quickly?
1: Yeah, writing about commissioners isn't very sexy at all until there's stuff like this.
0: Mm-hmm. So when, you're, when
1: you're talking about a crossroads, when you're talking about name, image, and likeness, or what they're going to do with a pandemic, and I think this is one of those times. No, I think it's a very attractive job for the ba- for the basic reason that I mentioned. There's lots to work with with those Western markets. The networks are always going to be uh, interested in L.A., Phoenix, Seattle, San Francisco. Um, who am I leaving out? Um, Salt Lake City, yeah.
0: uh, Denver, and Portland. You
1: know, to Denver and Portland. So that the combination of those markets. Uh, and keeping those together, you know, not letting you know, some the schools leave, um, which I, I don't know if that would ever happen in, in the in the Pac twelve, uh, is, is would be very attractive to somebody. You know, there'd be costs I, I don't I don't understand how the Pac twelve presidents ever got to the point where they decided to pay Larry Scott five million dollars a year, but you know, they've they've shown a willingness to do it. Five million dollars a year, seven seven million in rent for the for the digs in San Francisco, so the money is there for somebody who wants it. And I, I, I do, you know, Oliver Luck, the more and more I think about it, would be perfect. He's not working. He's accomplished. He'd come cheap. I think he'd come for less than $5 million, and he's got a proven track record. So, um, you know, people would call him about, hey, we've got this NCA problem. What do you think about it? That's something that could never happen with Larry Scott. He didn't have experience in that thing.
0: Does the new commissioner just have to do a better job of being a politician and shaking hands and kissing babies?
1: Oh, look, a lot of these guys uh, are very friendly, but they, they're not out in public very much. Uh, I think that's part of it, but a small part of it. You, you've got to monetize your your property uh, and keep the presidents happy. Um you know, no, I I don't think you necessarily have to have Gary Seinfeld as your commissioner. You know, you know, jollying all the time. Um, you know, Greg Sankey doesn't get out what well, he gets out, but he doesn't say things a lot. But when he does, they have gravity to them. He, he, what he says matters, and that's what has to happen in this league. That like, hey, the Pac-12 is going to be a player in trying to shape NIL. Um, you know, I thought one of the biggest downfalls was. On September 5th, the Pac-12 comes out with this big announcement, daily testing. That was a game changer. Remember how optimistic that was? Well, great. Well, they sat on that information when they should have taken it to the counties, L.A. County, Oregon, whatever, and said, hey, here's a reason we should be able to practice now, and then we can plan on playing. Instead, the Big Ten took the technology or, or was on a similar track, and got ahead of them and said, hey, we are playing. And then the Pac-12 followed them. But to the point that I wrote a story during the season that it was literally, you guys remember this, that letter from Keaton Slovis and the USC players that notified the governor, I think, that, yeah. hey, we you know, we can practice. The governor at that point thought, he said publicly, well, you can only gather in groups of six. Well, they can still practice football. He didn't understand that you really can't. And so that letter pushed him and the the fact that they could do daily testing towards the point that the Pac-12 could put.
0: Dennis, we appreciate you coming on and and looking ahead into the Pac-12's future with us. It's going to be interesting to see where this goes. I suspect we'll be reading you a lot. Thanks for coming on and spending a few minutes with us.
1: All right. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it.